Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Your Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Thanks for joining me today. As I walk through an insane collection in which over 240 cars are coming up for sale this weekend at RM Sotheby's Elkhart sale. Now, this is a lot of stuff to digest. I'm not covering all 240 cars. I think it's approximately 25 cars I will cover, and they fall into the category of quirky, cool, or collectible. Now, some of these obviously can fit on all three categories, or they can fit in multiple categories, but it's just something fun. Now, to help me with the details, I'm actually quoting from a couple different articles. One of them was Haggerty's recent These Seven Oddball Classics Are Sure to Brighten Up Your Garage article, and the remaining are from R.M. Sotheby's blogs written by Forrest Casey. Now, you can go to rmsotheby's.com, scroll down, and you will see the past blogs, and you can sign up to get all future blogs. They're really well written. So I will reference these throughout this podcast. So for fun, we're going to start with the cool cars. Now I'm starting with something a little bit different here, continuation cars. This is from the article titled, Neither Kit Cars Nor Replicas, Three Significant Jaguar Sports Cars Get a Second Chance by Forrest. Some of the most famous British sports racing cars have become so valuable they warrant ultra-premium continuation versions made by the original manufacturers themselves. And the first one I'm going to talk about is the 1955 Jaguar D-Type continuation. So I did pick the three continuation cars to go into my cool car list because they are super cool. So the estimate on this one is $1 million to $1.5 million. For reference, a real one per Haggerty is $4 to $9 million. However, in 2016, one sold at Monterey for $19.8 million against an estimate of $20 to $25 million. So they're high dollar cars and you can get a continuation car made by Jaguar for somewhere a little bit over a million dollars. Now, a D-Type was racing at Le Mans, but there was a huge accident between a Works Jaguar and a Mercedes-Benz SLR, and what happened is Mercedes officially resigned from motorsports, and the Jaguar factory team continued on for one more season, ceasing all official activities at the end of 1956. So 100 D-Types were planned to be made, ended up only making 75 of them back in the mid-1950s. So what did Jaguar decide to do? They wanted to complete the remaining 25 cars because they had 25 chassis numbers from back then they just were not completed and so this is one of those 25 continuation jaguar d-types now the next one is a 1957 jaguar xkss continuation car 
The estimate is $1.5 to $2 million for this continuation car. And what is a real one worth? Well, Haggerty says it's worth between $8.5 to $12.5 million. However, again, however, in 2017, there was a no-sale of one for $11.8 million. So that $12.5 seems about right. And that estimate was $13 to $16 million. Now, if you watch Jay Leno's Garage, as I often do every Sunday, uh, he does talk about Steve McQueen's XKSS, which he was able to drive on one of his TV shows. And Leno mentioned it's probably worth about $30 million because of the McQueen connection. Now, this is from Forrest's article. The Jaguar story picks up after the D-Type's unexpected drop in popularity. Sensing that the public was not in high demand for a stripped-out race car featuring a giant wing for stability and a riveted backbone between the seats, he's referencing the D-Type, Jaguar's brass made the decision in late 1966 to convert the unsold D-Type race cars into XKSS hybrid sports racers, creating a new type of car in the process. Now, they planned on building 25 of these cars, but unfortunately, there was a fire in 1957 at Jaguar's Brown Lane factory, which consumed all but 16 of those new sports cars. So 16 survived, 9 were destroyed. 60 years after the fire, Jaguar committed to continue XKSS production, building from scratch the final 9 chassis numbers in the same Browns Lane facility where the originals were assembled. Hand-built by Jaguar Land Rover Classic, using the same time-tested methods as in 1957, including hand-forming and brass-welding the body panels together, guided by the original blueprints and specifications. Only minor modifications separated the first batch of XKSS cars from the 21st century siblings, including more comfortable chairs and a modern fuel cell. So that makes sense. So that is our second cool car. The third car is the third continuation Jaguar, a 1963 Jaguar E-Type Lightweight. The estimate on this one is 1.7 to 2.25 million dollars. A real one would cost four to seven million dollars per Haggerty. However, yet again, in 2017, one sold for eight million dollars in Monterey, and then in Scottsdale, one sold for 6.7. So that seems right along those four to seven million estimate. After abandoning racing in the late 1950s, Jaguar pivoted to building GT cars using the same advanced monocoque chassis construction to form the foundation of their next-generation E-Type, the most sporting version of Jaguar's GT car. The aluminum-bodied E-Type lightweight was built in even smaller quantities than its predecessors, with only 12 cars and two spare bodies originally assembled by Jaguar in 1963. Like the XKSS and D-Type, Jaguar held back on its initial build run, allowing for six additional chassis numbers to be built as continuation cars. So there's e they're even rarer because there's only six of these cars made. So that one's coming up for sale as well. And just for fun, turns out there's another continuation car in this collection, and I have to include it because it's probably the coolest one. It's a 1927 Bugatti Type 35 Grand Prix replica by Persang. I believe they're out of South America. Now, this one's estimated to sell between $200,000 and $250,000. So for that price... I don't know what the real ones cost, or probably ten to fifteen million dollars. You could have a cool little Bugatti Type 35 made exactly like the original, which is pretty darn cool. All right, so the excerpts for the next few cars are from Forrest Casey's blog article, Into the Sun, a world-beating array of Japanese neoclassic rise in Elkhart. So the first one's a 1967 Toyota 2000 GT. If you haven't seen these cars, they're really super cool. One of them was in a James Bond movie, but it had the roof taken off. 
The estimate is seven hundred to eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. These were hitting a million dollars approximately four years ago. Now, though values have come down a bit since their peak, the Toyota 2000 GT has not gotten any less rare. Only 62 examples were assembled in left-hand drive for the U.S. market. Now, ironically, people have compared this car to a Jaguar E-Type, but ironically, the Toyota costs a whopping $1,000 more in period than an E-Type, which is a lot of money. All right, the next car is one I personally love as a 19, actually it's not a car, as a 1981 Toyota FJ43 Land, Cru, Land Cruiser. It's that beautiful kind of Robin's egg blue. I love this because I personally have a 2014 FJ and I always thought it would be cool to have one of the older ones. Now, if you talk to an owner of an older one, they're, they're not fun to drive. They're very slow. They're very bouncy. They're very rough. They're a truck. They're an old truck. Well, this one's so cool because it has been significantly upgraded by the FJ company out of Miami. So what's cool about this particular one, it has all the upgrades you want. It has a Toyota 1FZ engine with almost 4.5 liters of displacement, full frame-off restoration. Also has uh, new suspension and air, very important. So it's ready to roll, estimates eight hundred to $100,000. That's high dollars, but you're not spending two or $300,000 like you would on one of the Icon FJ Cruisers. The next one's a 1966 Honda S600 convertible. I picked this one because it's just a cool little Honda you don't see that often. It's a very affordable one, fifteen dollars to $20,000 estimate on this one. And it says, believed to be one of only 111 S600 convertibles built in 1966. It was never officially imported into the U.S. Honda's S600 and its more powerful S800 siblings have become cult classics for their high revving performance. Really cool, neat little convertible. All right, the next one, we're moving into the quirky cars. Now, most of these, actually, I think all of these are from the Haggerty article I mentioned earlier. The first one's a 1960 Lloyd LS 600 Kumba Pan Am Airlines commercial airport van. Estimates $35,000 to $45,000. Lloyd sounds like a British car, but the company's full name, Lloyd Motorin Work, with an E at the end, reveals its true Germanness. Lloyd built small, cheap cars during the 1950s and 1960s, and a 600 model was available as a two-door sedan, convertible wagon pickup, or Kumba panel van, powered by a 596 cubic centimeter four-stroke twin that drives the front wheels. This one is done up in Pan America Airways livery. They're really cute. Just a little tiny picture, a little micro van. Now, I'm going to pronounce a lot of this stuff wrong, so I apologize in advance. The next one's a 1958 Zundap Janus 250. I'm, I'm sure I did not pronounce that correctly. Estimates forty dollars to $50,000. Zundop mostly built motorcycles, but it was also one of several companies to get in on the microcar craze. In post-war Germany, there was a big demand for vehicles that were cheaper than full-size cars, but offer more practicality than a motorcycle. Rather than design a microcar from scratch, Zundop licensed one from aircraft designer Claude Dorner. Its hallmark feature is that there is a single door at the nose and another at the tail, and rear-facing seats for the rear passengers. I would not like to sit back there. That would not be good. Given the car's symmetric profile, Zundop called it the Janus after the Roman god of duality, who is typically portrayed with two faces. All right, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, first off, this thing is incredibly unsafe. 
Second off, if you're in the back seat, you're not in control <laughs> of this little thing, and you're not even seeing which you know what's coming at you. That would scare me to death. All right, the next one is a 1970 Fiat 850 Spadigetta. Uh, Spadigetta. All right, Spiagetta. Spiagetta. I'm sure I got that wrong. Spiagetta. Estimate is sixty to eighty thousand dollars. Spiagetta means beach in Italian. It only takes one look at this Fiat 850 base runabout to realize its intended purpose. I would assume that means to run around the beach. Designed as a more modern take on Ghia's Fiat 500-600 Jolly from the late 1950s, the Spiagetta features all of the Jolly's beach cruiser kitsch with wicker seats and a conspicuous lack of doors, but the little car also offers more power. 47 Italian horses worth from its 850cc engine. It's also rare with just 80 built. So that's pretty cool. Okay, the next one on this list is kind of cool because it has bubble gum on the outside of it. It's a 1958 Gago Mobile TL250 Transporter Double Bubble Van. Estimate is fifty dollars to $70,000. Gago Mobile, oh, that's hard to say, was a cute name for a cutesy series of microcars sold by German car maker Glass during the 1950s and 1960s. With fewer than 3,700 built, this van was always rare, and because they were popular with the West German Postal Service, there aren't many left. Interesting. All right, the next one is actually the cover art for this podcast. I saw it in person. I thought it was super cool. Never seen one before. It's the 1961 Bedford C8 Doormobile Caravan. Estimate is sixty dollars to $80,000. Now picture a maroon VW Westfala camper van. So it's got the tent on top that folds up. But and it has the you know the the seats and the table and the kitchen everything inside the van, but add an ugly snout to it, like the new Nissan vans of today, but it, it just looks cute. So this Bedford Caravan is just like a VW Campmobile, except it's weirder and it's British. Its popular pug nose CA model, for example, was built on a lightly modified Vauxhall chassis and powered by a 1500 cc four cylinder. This doormobile. Caravan features storage cabinets, a sink, a portable refrigerator, a portable gas stove, and enough room to sleep for people. All right, the next one on the list is one that I really like. It's really cute and quirky. It's a 1991 Nissan Figaro. Now, the estimate is twenty dollars to $25,000 offered at no reserve. Now, this is a JDM, Japanese domestic market, import car. Uh, they were all right-hand drive, to my understanding. They were never officially offered in the U.S., uh, but they're really cool and, and quirky. I think if you were to picture it, picture a two-door kind of a hatchback, but instead of having a hatchback, it has a canvas roof that slides down, so it's kind of like a target top. And it just looks like it belongs in a Mario Brothers video game. It's just quirky and cool and neat. All right, the last one from our quirky category here is from the article British on a Budget, Sports Cars, and More, straight from the U.K. It's a 1937 Morgan three-wheeler. The estimate on this one is thirty-five dollars to $45,000, no reserve. Now, this one's really cool. If you're not familiar with the three-wheeler, basically it's low-slung, small. Uh, picture a 30s motorcycle with two wheels in the front and one wheel on the back, and it has the engine on the front. So where the grill would be, it's actually, I think it's a two-stroke engine on the front, and it's very cool, very unsafe. Uh, Jay Leno off, often says, 
This is a car that you just cannot avoid potholes with because if you don't hit it with the front wheel, she'll hit it with the back wheel in the middle. There's no reason to swerve to try to miss a pothole because you're going to hit it. All right, now finally we're going to move on to the collectible cars. Now, all the ones I've previously mentioned, some of them could be considered collectible cars and they might appreciate in the future. Uh, these next 11 cars are one the ones that I believe will appreciate within the next two to three years. Now, some of you might think I'm crazy on a few of these, but hear me out. Now, the first one's an obvious one. It's a 1972 Datsun 240Z. I've talked about this car in the past. The early Datsuns continue to appreciate the more original and unrestored they are, the more they cost. The estimate on this one is seventy-five dollars to $90,000. It's, it's an interesting lime color with black interior. It's had a total restoration. It was upgraded to a carbon-coated exhaust system and rota wheels. Uh, it also has a Frigic King air condition system. Uh, so the stuff that was done to it, I thought were just fine. All right, the next one's a pretty high dollar car, 1964 Aston Martin DB5 Vantage specification. Estimates 750 to 850. Now your first question might be, what is Vantage specification actually mean? Because from the factory, that was an upgrade in power. Vantage specifications basically mean during the restoration, this car was upgraded with the factory components. So a bevy of engine upgrades, of course, the most important headlines being an in-period 0 to 60 mile, miles per hour time of 6.5 seconds and a stated horsepower output of 325 horsepower. And not only has this already rare DB5 been fully restored during the restoration, it was also given the same engine upgrades as a factory Vantage, including upgraded camshafts and triple Weber carburetors, Vantage performance at a significant discount. So if it was a real Vantage, the estimate of 750 to 850 would basically be doubled. And this one's really gorgeous. It's a right-hand drive, dark blue with a dark blue interior. Really gorgeous combination. All right, the next one's a 1967 Mazda Cosmo Sport Series 1. You'll hear quite a few JDM cars in here because that's just where the market's going to a certain extent. The estimate on this car is seventy dollars to $90,000. Collectors have been eyeing mid-century JDM examples as potential future classics for some time now, and the result is that halo cars like the Toyota 2000 GT, which we talked about earlier, have become so valuable as to be unattainable for the average enthusiast. And yet this rare one of only 343 Series 1 examples built, twin rotary powered sports car, undeniably a must-have for any Mazda enthusiast, is still estimated to sell comfortably under six figures. So I agree. It's a really cool car. Actually looks kind of neat. At the time that Jay Leno, I know I talk about Jay a lot, but I like his shows. At the time that he filmed his, I believe there were only three known in the U.S., and I don't think this was one of those three. I think more have come to the U.S. in the in the past few years. But they're still probably in the low double digits, the number that are in the U.S. So that's a really cool car. All right, the next one is from the article, 15 under 100,000K, an impressive list of values and options in Elkhart. This one is a 2011 Tesla Roadster Sport R80. The estimate on this car is sixty dollars to $80,000. Now you're probably thinking, am I crazy, a hybrid? Well, it's a fairly early Tesla, and I think you'll start seeing these pop up in auctions more and more as they become older, and I think the earlier ones will command a premium. Uh, I honestly don't know the first year of Tesla. I think it was 2007, so this isn't super early, but it's early enough that I think it will start to appreciate. All right, now for your JDM folks, you'll really think I'm crazy on this one. The next one's a 1993 Suzuki Carry. This is one of the little tiny pickup trucks. Estimate is seven to nine thousand dollars. 
Uh, these are so popular and they're growing so much. There's actually a few dealerships in the U.S. that only deal in these little pickup trucks. So this one's a Japanese market right-hand drive example. Delightful, lightweight, utilitarian pickup. Features all-wheel drive and air conditioning. The most fun you'll have moving stuff. So I love the bullet points that were in this descriptor. So these are just really neat. I mean, they're you can't get small pickup trucks nowadays in the U.S. And having one that's functional and utilitarian like this, four-wheel drive, AC, can carry a bunch of stuff. Uh, and it's Japanese and it's a JDM import. They're really selling well. And they're still really cheap, seven to $9,000. All right, the next one's a 1998 Ferrari 550 Marinello. Estimate 100 to $125,000. This one has almost 21,000 miles on it, so a little bit higher mile, black on black. And the notorious, quote-unquote, sticky button issue was corrected in current ownership. So I think I know what that re- <laughs> I think I know what that's referencing. Uh, so I was glad that that issue, known issue, has been fixed. The reason I picked this one, very simple. It's a six-speed manual, front-engine V12 Ferrari, uh, these will continue to appreciate. You can go back to a couple episodes ago when I referenced one of the cars you have to buy is any late 90s, early 2000s Italian supercar that is stick shift. They will appreciate, and this is one of those cars. All right, the next one's a 2060 McLaren 650S Spider. Same kind of thought here. This is one of the earlier uh, McLarens, dollars to $200,000 estimate. It's a Spider. It's the first model to, to represent their Super Series. It only has 1,100 miles on it. This volcano red with black leather. I think this one, it still might depreciate a little bit, but I think it's probably bottomed out on that side of it and will start going up here soon. All right, this is a curveball for you. 1946 Hudson Super 6 pickup truck. Pickup trucks have been on a tear for quite a while. The early ones such as this have not felt that impact yet, but I believe they will. And this is one of the prettiest pickup trucks that was ever produced. An estimate of thirty-five to forty thousand dollars. Hudson's very rare post-war pickup. It has a two hundred and twelve cubic inch L-head inline six-cylinder engine, three-speed manual transmission, and it's one of very few survivors. So, uh, as people start buying more and more pickup trucks, adding them to their collection, they'll start wanting to go back to some of the earlier, interesting, cool, original stuff. And this is one of those trucks. All right, three more left. The next one's a 1993 Jaguar XJ220. So this is a supercar from the early 90s. It got a bad rap. They took deposits saying it was going to have a V12 engine. Turns out it had a turbo, I think it was a twin turbo six-cylinder. And they got pretty hammered on that. These have been stagnant for years, around the $300,000 price range. Yes, one on this one is $400,000 to $500,000. It was the world's fastest production car of its time. This one only has... 4,200 miles on it. And the reason I picked this one is I think people are beginning to appreciate this car more and more and more as we have more six-cylinder turbo cars or twin-turbo cars like McLaren's coming out with one. I think folks will accept this car more, the fact that it doesn't have a V12. It'll become more accepted and people will want those unique, different uh, supercars from the late 80s, early 90s, and you'll start seeing these prices go up. All right, the next one's a 1999 Shelby Series 1. The estimate on this car is $100,000 to $120,000. The estimate on these cars has been at $100,000 for like 10 years now. So why would it go up now? Great question. I'm glad you asked. I think it will go up now because the legacy of Shelby is finally hitting mainstream with the Ford versus Ferrari. 
it's a very attractive car. I think it looks really cool. It's the only car designed and engineered by Carroll Shelby from the ground up. They only made 249 of them, so it's rare. Uh, this one was ordered new by the owner and ordered prior to production. This one only has 2,700 miles, and I just think these are going to, going to have their time soon. It's a V8, high-performance, two-seater, convertible Cobra, basically. Modern interpretation of the Cobra. All right, the last car is a 1972 Ferrari 365 GTB for Daytona Spider conversion, and the estimate is $400,000 to $450,000. I picked this one because these cars, the Daytona cars, have fallen off of a cliff recently. Um, I want to do a podcast about one Daytona that has been to 13 auctions, and it went from being bidded up to $800,000, $850,000 to finally selling at $500,000. I think these are close to bottoming out, and this is one that has a decent history. It was turned into a convertible by a reputable shop. It has factory AC and radio, matching numbers, engine, and gearbox. has 20,000 miles. So I think, you know, of the conversions, uh, this is a pretty good one. The real convertibles are million-dollar cars. Uh, so this is what I pick as my last future collectible from this collection. I didn't even scratch the surface. I mean, I I hit maybe 10% of the cars. You definitely want to check out rmsothebees.com and see the rest of these cars, even if you just want to have it as like your online concourse to elegance by looking at these things. So there you have it, 25 quirky, cool, and collectible cars from the Elkhart collection. I'd love to have any of these in my garage right now, that is for sure. I didn't even cover the $3 million Ferrari, the Mercedes Gullwing, the Shelby GT350, the Split Window Fuelie Corvette, the Fashel Vega, the Lamborghini Mira. There's just a ton of cool cars that you should definitely check out. As always, thanks for joining me this week, and I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>